Hello, I'm Richard Fieldhouse with the NASGP's The Art of GP Locuming podcast and today I'm back with Judith Harvey who has written an article for the uh, online magazine and this article is called Singing in the Brain. Quite appropriate because it's actually pouring down with rain, uh, certainly where mm-hmm. I'm recording. And Judith, lovely to have you uh, back on, on the podcast. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. Well, thank you again for this article. So, singing in the brain. Um, this you, you start off talking about something about uh, the big sing at Wigmore Hall. Tell, tell us why you, you went along to this and what it is. Well, I had taken on board that music is very helpful for people with dementia at all stages of the disease and I had noted that a number of um, concert halls and so on have events which are designed for people who have degrees of dementia or autism or other conditions that makes it difficult for them to maybe concentrate in the same way as you and I would, we hope, um, and but who do respond to music. And Whitmore Hall is a 20-minute bus ride from where I live, so I took an opportunity to go along. Um, this was an open event. Anybody could go. People like me, you didn't have to be in need of something special. But it was amazingly jolly. I arrived and three large ladies, done up to the nines, were (laughs) piling out of the taxi um, and going in and embracing the the stewards at the Wigmore Hall. They obviously go regularly, enjoy it and feel comfortable there. And... That was that was typical. Everybody felt at home, uh, and it was an opportunity for everybody to join in. It was run by an extraordinarily um, talented musician who could he could get the slugs in my garden singing in four part <laughs> harmony. Um, he really could, extraordinary. Um, Charles McDougall, I think his name is. Look out for him. Um, And so he made learning these songs, four songs, very short, but by lunchtime we'd learn these four songs and he divided the audience up so that we sang in different parts. After after the break, we went back in. I'd forgotten the words such as they were by that time and probably most people had. Um, So we rehearsed them again and then we went up on the stage and sang them, which was terrific. In front of an audience? In front of the audience of those who couldn't go up on the stage. There was a small audience, people from the Wigmore Hall, people who drifted in. Lovely. Um, So that was great fun, yes. And that experience was rewarding for me how much more rewarding if you've had to drop most of the things that uh, you enjoyed doing that made you you, um, that you couldn't, you felt unable, that, that there was nothing that you could give. And here, people with 
dementia could give. They could sing for others and with others. So there are, so in, in this audience that you're with, there were people with, with dementia and neurological conditions and things, were there? Yes, yes. And, and there are other events. Uh, I went to another one, which was a concert. It was the audience weren't directly partaking. Um, but that was a concert specially de- designed for people um, with dementia and other conditions and short lights left on uh, plenty of room to move around I mean they wouldn't fill the hall even if they could because people need to feel comfortable that they they can get up that they can emote a bit um, and, and everybody enjoyed that too and the the performers weren't worried when there was a guy at the back in a wheelchair with a helmet on who ground his teeth and made funny noises. They weren't worried by that. In fact, they said it was easier than concerts for mothers and babies, where there was always some baby howling. <laughs> well, but babies are designed, aren't they, to have a, 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 a pitch that's some, something akin to a pneumatic drill or something like this. So I can imagine yep. that would, would, would be difficult. I still remember my worst ever GP surgery being a baby immunisation clinic, just simply for the noise. Um, mm. But so that's, that's, uh, that sounds like a very participative audience and very, very inclusive. And, and, and in the article, you talk about about how important music is. And hearing, hearing, you say, I never thought of it like this, but hearing is the last sense that we we lose before we die uh mm. and 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 how music finds a back door into a ramshackle brain and and so after this after having gone to these events you then just you said you decided to make some phone calls and in some inquiries who who was that to and what was that about well i'd been in dublin uh to a, a sort of art and music conference i my former gp friend about whom I've written, Jane Mackay. This is the lady, Synesthesia Lady. Synesthesia Lady, yes. yes. She had an exhibition in Dublin uh, of pictures with an Irish quartet playing the uh, two-string quartet she'd illustrated. And one of the young women there who was organising it had, uh, Irish, Irish woman, had um, was is, was starting a PhD in in music and dementia, having done a course in how you can use music uh, for people with dementia and other conditions. Um, and so I talked to her. Uh, Jane put me on to a retired doctor in Cambridge who runs, I think, two choirs, uh, has done for some years in two different villages for people with dementia. All the people that in his choir and in any event like that, like the ones in the Wigmore Hall, if it's away from home, um, it has to be somebody who is well enough to live in the community and they come with their carer. And a point that I think everybody I spoke to made is that these events, whether they be a one-off like the big thing or whether they be uh, practising for a concert, uh, for the for their own community, um, it's it's built around giving the carers a break and an opportunity to participate, as well as the person they're cared for, uh, because carers get so little in the way of support and and 
relief from from a very demanding job. So that that's interesting. And you also mentioned in the article about again about carers, really important subject here. How the job that they do is 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 a, almost a job that just no one else wants to do. How difficult it is, but also how a carer being there with uh, their 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 patient, with their client, with the person they're caring for, <clears throat> to watch that person come alive with with singing and see them to be the real person to touch that 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 sort of central sort of spirit i guess their soul almost makes their job more rewarding and will help it's a way almost of of of, of retaining um um dementia carers uh, make them proud of their job and to want to carry on doing it because it's such a difficult job i thought that was a very good point well made so having carers come along to these these sing-alongs and these events is is, is important for all sorts of reasons then and um staff in care homes people in care homes are most unlikely to be able to attend an event because they're in a care home because their condition is not manageable in the community but as you as you say um it's a very ill-rewarded job financially and emotionally um and anything that improves retention of staff is important and if music visiting musicians enables you know make they can see the person that has been just a difficult lump of flesh they can see something of the person behind that mm. the person they were that's hugely rewarding and the same for relatives of course it makes those awful visits to um homes for um, that sort of care home a bit more rewarding if they can see that there's something of the old granddad still there and that they can share something. Where where these events take place, <clears throat> you also mention, I think you're sort of almost suggesting that this is a, it's a movement and it sounds to be like something that the Alzheimer's Society have really um, been doing over the last few years. It, um, but these 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 venues too, for the, for the staff working there, and actually the, the venues themselves also, I think you're suggesting there's some almost some sort of learning cycle these these places need to go through. For example, improving the locks on toilets, making it more accessible, not wanting to fill the venue because of the the the, the, the patients who come along to these people with with dementia have certain needs. They need easy to operate door locks. They need good lighting. They can't have. And so do the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> of the new door locks, I've. I fiddle with to get them to work to find out how they work. Yes, yes, and the flushes and everything, and the taps. An improvement in that to make it easier for people who aren't very capable will make it easier for everyone. Go back to the uh, locks on public loos in buildings. A lot of them have been improved, uh, and what has been installed is very fancy modern um, door locks which, how does this work? Uh, so it's, it's not just the old venues, it's uh, refurbished and modern venues where all the, the furniture in the loos is you know, door locks, flushes, um, taps, things for drying in your hand. They're all designed by designers without being tested on people they look nice but are they functional 
you sort of need a Bauhaus approach to this, don't you? Form, form mm-hmm. follows function. Yes, I, I, I can see another article here, Judith, for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, and and it's good for halls. I mean, these events take place during the day because by the evening, people with dementia are just too tired, and their carers probably too, and getting out and about and home is more difficult. So they're they're usually morning or early afternoon dues when these places are otherwise pretty empty. So it's bringing people in, whether it be to wherever it is, um, and it's making use of staff, it's giving them a new role, and everybody involved must have some training in, in dementia. And that means not only are they able to understand and look after and enjoy a singing in the brain event or something like that, but when they when they go home, um, they have whether they're in the supermarket queue behind somebody who's fumbling and really isn't. They realise this person's demen- demented, and they're able to help them a bit or dementing. Um, or when they meet their granddad, who's beginning to lose it. Uh, it's it's a, it's a skill that extends through the whole of life and is very valuable because there's a lot of people around with dementia, early dementia, and the more people who understand it, the better. So it's that's a win-win. Brilliant. And you mentioned, of course, tea and biscuits several times as being a key ingredient to engagement in these events as well. Yeah, it's wanted... sort of a bit of socialising. Yeah. A bit of socialising. The tea you need the loose. And this, this I think, sort of bring, bring, brings us to the sort of the, the closing then, then, then of the article, and, and it just seems to be focused around uh, a book, uh, by, which you read, which came out a few years ago, called "Where Memories Go." So tell us a bit yes, about that. Yes, um, it was actually book of the week on BBC Radio Four at the time, and I did hear little bits of it, but I hadn't read it until recently. Um, it's written by Sally Magnuson, whose father was Magnus Magnuson, who presented Mastermind. Her mother was a very bright, sassy Scots lady um, who was a journalist and very lively. But she developed dementia and Sally and her siblings uh, looked after her. And it's the book is very good. It's a heartbreaking story. Um watching this person who had been so lively, so alert, so so much of a life force deteriorate. Um, uh, but she did realise that through music, playing music and listening to music with her mother, there was a little flash of her mother still there, which made a huge difference to her mother's peace and to her and her siblings ability to look after their mother Um, and so she developed the idea of a playlist for life and set up the website Um, and what a a simple idea in many ways but if you if you create a playlist put it on a any any sort of device headphones um, and the the person can play it and hear the tunes the songs whatever it was meant something to them in their past life and often in adolescence 
uh, all the pop songs of your adolescence or the concerts of your adolescence because that's when so much is formed and imprinted in your brain. Um, but throughout life, um, and pe these people whose memories are going, are lost, apparently lost, and whose life has got is just existence, can actually wake up um, and they're not going to return to the person they were, were but they, they become something of that person remains. They, even if they're not capable of involvement, they couldn't go to a, a concert in a hall and, and join in or even listen um, in a way that would be, you know, it would be too difficult. If uh, in a home they can listen to a, their playlist and respond. You know, they may not be able to be involved, but they can respond. So I think it's a super idea and the, and the site is very good. It's, it's, it's almost like music is a drug that's taken in by ear, isn't it? It's like, a, like an auditory thing, but you can't titrate the dose. It seems uh, you almost have to hit the, hit the right memory. It's something to making a connection in the brain. That is Again, it's this back door, isn't it? Back door into a ramshackle brain. Um, and you've mentioned in the article how there ha is being some research in in into in, in, into into better treatments for dementia, but how that how that would work in in this sort of way, I just wouldn't know. Uh, there is uh, there have been studies, and they're short term and they're not big, but they are very encouraging. That actually this does work in the sense of it improves the life of the person with brain failure. And it improves the life of those who, family, carers, anybody who is involved with them. Um, so now what they're looking at is bigger studies and how it works. But there is a GP, or several I think, who are now prescribing playlists and finding that um, the they don't need so many to prescribe so many chemical coshes. Mm. So you know, music is much preferable to some awful chemical cosh. Yeah, and in, and in your well, and also I guess it can it can include relatives as well. Into that, in your article, you mention um, the BBC. There's a link to the BBC's music memories section, and I was having a a look at that earlier. And that is that this is actually a a service, a website provided by the BBC, and it's very interactive, and you can click on theme tunes of TV shows, and they've got all or or, or classical music or or pop popular music and I was having a look at that and there are there are certain songs that that for me transform me right back to my childhood and it talks about and you've talked about how the the, the key time the key stage for these music tri triggering these musical memories is a sort of is a, our formative years our adolescence and childhood and uh, I saw that they've got a I was even listening to really took me back to uh, my childhood listening to theme tunes to to the Robert to the Robinson Crusoe TV series as a kid um and 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 I, I one of I've actually um much to my wife's amusement I've created a, a playlist for my funeral uh whenever that's going to be because I heard the other day um the theme tune to 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 Trumpton 
and another one to um, uh, Tales from the Riverbank. Again, real childhood things. But when I heard those on the radio, uh, they they just they just so they really do tap into that that raw nerve of the soul. And I think that's probably what's happening here with with dementia. It just it, it moves. It certainly moves me, and I'm sure it moves other people in. In, in, in that in that sort of way so to have a resource like that the bbc have put together is is so good for us as relatives getting things ready for our i mean my, my poor father-in-law is suffering for dementia and we're actually thanks to your article judith for putting a a playlist of music together for him because this is actually something we know during his normal you know when he was well music was an important part of his life but now his days are mostly silent um and apart from what's, you know, channeled out through through whatever's on TV at the moment. So I think this is going to be a, a brilliant resource. Um, have you got particular... So, I mean, is, is this something that we, we, we for, as individuals, should be putting together playlists? I mean, I'm going to rename my, 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 um, my funeral playlist as into my playlist for life. But should we be doing this for ourselves so that, that should, should, when, when dementia, if dementia happens to us, our carers will have access to this. Is that a good idea? I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. And because relatives can work it out, but you know, what you know, what was the tune of that football club he belonged to when he was twenty? Yeah. You know, and you know, maybe finding old cinema or theatre tickets and saying, look, he went to concert tickets. He went to this. Maybe he'd like that. Um, if you do it as you go along and think, gosh, I've heard that. That's Bill and Ben the Flower Pot Man. <laughs> That's made me smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, however silly, I mean, it 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 shouldn't it shouldn't be designed to make you look cultured. It should be designed to make you feel happy. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing cultural about my my playlist for life. I tell you. <laughs> Um, but but um, but but I, I just don't think any of my. I think I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who would have thought of Tales from the Riverbank and and Trumpton theme music as as as, as, as tapping tapping into my um in, in into the into that soul part of me. And, and so so uh, I'm, I'm very I'm very keen to do that. I've also I've also got a I've also got a list of uh, movies films that um, I want to be shown on on. So films that have meant so much to me. Um, mm. My current favourite is Interstellar. I don't know if you've seen it, but I love that film. And and actually, I, I I watch it every every six months, every year or so, when I've kind of forgotten about it, so I can sort of reinvent it again. And I actually thought, actually, if if I were to lose my memory, to keep on the ability to keep on rediscovering the same film or same beautiful picture or same piece of music is is actually something that may well sustain me and keep me being keep me um keep my carers going a bit longer too i think that's absolutely true and 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 as you've as you're just saying it's not just music films and pictures may do it too that film that you saw at an emotional age there are one or two films that I saw when I was a student, which meant a huge amount to me then. I've seen them since and thought, God, yeah. I didn't think that was good. I think, you know, in another few years, it may, I won't notice the um, the limitations, the old-fashionedness may be. It will take me back to that time. So I think it's, uh, and I think the, the recognition, the thing that you said, that it, it doesn't have to be, cultured music it's the things that actually 
you've responded to over the years and and you know <laughs> advertising jingles so i think it's a it's a an idea to to spread well maybe judith you and i should put together a um a, an app or something that but we can we can uh, uh, create these so, so that uh, we can share them with our relatives should something like this happen um yeah Mind you, that's probably what playlist yeah. play, playlist for life probably already does that. But um, I'm sure that idea has been thought yeah. of. <laughs> um, no, that's really that's that's what that's wonderful. So, so Judy, thank you so much for um, for putting that article together. I think, as you can gather, there's so much um, in this that that all, I think all of us can take away. And there's there's almost action points for us all. I think here as as well uh, for for. for for, for people we know with with dementia and even possibly for our ourselves going forward to, to, to start thinking about um, the importance of music and, and, and the health of our brain um, so thank you Judith um, and thank you to listeners as well for subscribing to this podcast uh, there is a link as always to to these podcasts on the NESGP website um, podcast articles that we publish um, but of course you can also subscribe from your favorite podcast app um so thank you judith once again and look forward to that uh, that, that i think an, an article f- from you some stage on, on you do mention some some des- designing for life i quite like that idea um but i'm but i'm sure you're bursting with with lots of idea other ideas too so thanks again and um thank you and talk to you in the next podcast goodbye yeah thank you and goodbye